Welcome to the MetaView Podcast, a podcast where we ask people shit and they answer. Let's get into it. Do you believe it's morning? I'm alive, but that's the last thing on my mind. Do you believe it's morning? Welcome to MetaView Podcast. Lost Thanks for here. having me. This is cool. It's been a while since I've been on a podcast. And it was about time to get you on one. Cool. I'm glad to be here. So I want to talk to you about things like onboarding people to like onboarding developers to be more specific. Like uh, I believe the the people will adopt to the things that we build, but it's more important to focus on the developer adoption. So you, you yeah, got a bunch sure. of things going, for example, the scaffolding. Yeah, I don't know if I need to be more specific to question, but uh, I would love to get you talking about uh, developer adoption. How do we get people from developing on Web2 to developing on Ethereum? Yeah, I think that there there is kind of a natural transition. I, I'm specifically like looking for Web2 developers that are interested in Web3, and I think there's kind of a new wave of them kind of shifting in, which is really, really great for Ethereum. But uh, I think that like developer adoption is going to probably be many different things, right? Like we need better tools. We, we need better marketing, I guess. Like it seems like this new wave of developers coming in might be because of the price stuff that was happening and DeFi and stuff like that seems to be pulling developers in. But once they get here, it's, it's about having great tools for them. It's about ha- like kind of being able to show them what, what we've been calling like the tour of duty, which is a good, a good way to kind of like get context in the space, understand not just like what tokens are and how contracts can talk to each other and the cool stuff and how, how it's all decentralized. But uh, I think also getting a context for what's cool and what, what will fit in the space and what's needed. And a lot of times when you build a project, you, you, you're like, I'm gonna go build this awesome thing. And once you start working on this awesome thing, there's like so many holes underneath in different infrastructural parts that like you you find yourself diving into, I'm gonna have to go build this thing first before we can build this thing, before we can build this thing. And that's cool because a lot of those holes are getting filled in, but there's also a lot of room for us to improve and places for us to, to do a better job and we just need more developers, right? And and I think that the, the scaffolding that you you talked about, it's it's uh, basically a repo that you can fork. And I've been making lots of decentralized apps for the last couple of years, and it's sort of like all the all the things that I keep reusing, I built into this and hooks for like getting your balance and talking to like talking to a smart contract and loading a value into storage and having that as part of your app, like just like little things that. You as a developer trying to build a product on Ethereum will will want to be able to like rapidly prototype, and the the environment basically lands you in where you're you're just writing a little bit of Solidity and you're kind of figuring out you know how does Solidity work, but you can also test your assumptions because there's a front end that comes up with it that's almost like the the form for EtherScan. You know if you like if you're super elite and you go talk to smart contracts using Etherscan, it's basically just like a web form. That's sort of what the scaffolding starts you out with. And, and it really is just scaffolding because eventually you want to carve that out and build a UI. But in the very beginning, when you, when you clone down scaffold ETH, you can just basically kind of test your assumptions and write some solidity and then 
poke at that solidity and play around with it over in the front end in a nice little form. And then once you get the contract and your idea kind of more solidified, then you can start building UI elements and buttons and you know all the, all the stuff that a good app has. That was a very long-winded answer to, and also ETH build. ETH build is a great educational tool, right? You can kind of also test your assumptions, poke around at things and wire things up. And there's a great kind of set of videos there for like anytime anybody's like even a little bit shaky on what a public private key pair is and how that works. I'm like, go, go check it out. There's this ep episode on signed messages and you can learn all, all sorts of stuff. It's, it's like bad. I got, I got the streamer set up now. Back then I, I had like really like bad audio and uh, like my, my setup for recording videos wasn't great. So you'll have to brave some bad audio, but there's some good content there on ETH build in terms of educational and kind of learning more about Ethereum. Awesome. Yeah, I can see, I can see your professional microphone and your camera. Isn't this good. nice? Yeah, the production quality. Nice. So I how much uh, time and effort do you think like uh, something like scaffolding takes of the new developers? I have seen a lot of like two week hackathon projects that I could have built in a day with, with scaffold ETH because it just takes care of a lot of the underlying things. I think that's a, that's a tough metric to go with because it's like, it, it's weighted, it's skewed depending on how good a developer is, right? But I think that it, it does take a lot of it off of the developer at first. And, and I do try to like provide as much as I can. Like I've, I've got my, my Infura keys in there, right? And those obviously aren't gonna work for a new developer for very long, but hopefully you can get in there and kind of poke around. And then as soon as you start to level up and learn the tools, it, it, it like it should graduate you into uh, being a, a pro ETH developer eventually. Right. And other than this, you've also been like uh, personally onboarding developers, like one-on-one -on -one conversations. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, man. I, I, it was kind of like a spur of the moment thing. I was just like, I, I should just try this. And it's been a lot of fun. So basically we do a couple hour long sessions or like 45 minute sessions, but it's just like you, you have scaffold ETH cloned down by the time I get there. So we're not worried about installing things where we just dive right into that part I was talking about where it's like, we'll, we'll change some solidity and we'll see it in the front end. And so it's been a lot of fun kind of taking a, web, a, a decent web two developer and showing them like the ahas in Ethereum, right? Like we start by, we like underflow a UNT eight, which is silly and easy. And you know, like this is not like heady, heady programming but it's cool to test assumptions, right? We start with a UNT eight and we started at one and we underflow it back to 255 and we get them thinking about, oh, you know, you gotta be cognizant of what those bits are doing under there, right? And then we kind of create an owner an address owner, right? Like basic solidity stuff, but we, we get to play around with how like that address is like a very important actor within solidity and how you can call like dot balance and dot transfer on an address. So yeah, the, the scaffolding sessions have been just like a, like a lot of fun for me. And I think they were, they've been useful for new developers coming in, but it's also kind of good for me at a meta level to like figure out what their dumb questions are and see if we can do a better job of answering those kind of in the, in the content that a new developer starts to devour when they go down the rabbit hole. I would also love to hear your thoughts on like the meta view of the onboarding, for example, do you think the Ethereum foundation itself should do like, because for example, the, these so-called Ethereum killers 
like have these whole uh, departments that are specifically focused on onboarding developers and getting them to fuck off with Ethereum and things like that. Well, uh, I, so I've been in like really meetings. Yeah, I, so I can't speak for the Ethereum Foundation, right? I'm just like a builder in Ethereum. They're 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 definitely like supporting me and keeping me going, but like we're we're slightly unaffiliated, unaffiliated, right? But I would say that the the onboarding, you're right. Like we do see. I was in a meeting last week with like six near dudes that are all uh, like trying to figure out how you know we can they can get developer onboarding and and we talked through like well like my my idea is basically we're, we're looking for like product prototypers so i'm building this product prototyping scaffolding to get people straight to prototyping their products right i i don't think near is like an ethereum killer right i I'm, i think that basically it could be very helpful just like xdi is We've got we've got a long tail of people that are priced out of Ethereum right now, and there's a market for them. You know, the, there's a market for their transactions, <laughs> and so I think that like Near can basically help the the stuff more than hurt, right? If if you're considering them like an ETH killer, I, I don't, anything EVM compatible for me is really awesome, and they they aren't, but I think they're kind of working on a bridge that kind of works like that. But uh, yes, I, the, yeah, exactly. The original question is, okay, Nier has all these dev, dev relation guys and they're working really hard on it. I, I, think, uh, I, I think that probably could be a great thing for Ethereum too. Like, I don't think that would hurt to have that, but it's kind of like that maybe that's not exactly the biggest priority for, for the EF, or maybe it is. I don't know, I don't know what their priority is. They're, they're empowering me to go talk to developers one-on-one, -on -one, right? whether whether i'm and there's probably lots of me but whether i'm as good as uh eight near dudes i doubt it <laughs> there's some really smart and creative guys there right so yeah we could always use more people doing dev relations and uh building and stuff obviously it doesn't scale for me to be one-on-one -on -one with developers but it's been awesome and i'm going to keep doing it and learning from it and kind of use that to hopefully guide you know like guide the scale up of of more developers coming in hopefully and hopefully we have better content for them they don't have to look at my ugly mug and they can just get to build cool stuff <laughs> doing god's work but uh, consensus had an initiative like focusing on this the one million developers which i don't know how has that been going do how do you have any updates on that i i don't know i think i mean like yeah, it's it's hard to measure that kind of stuff. I think that was kind of a meme, right? Like it's a meme, but mm. yeah, I don't know. I mean, we see like more developers coming in when certain things happen. And, and I don't know if it's market stuff or what it is, but uh, we may have 1 million developers and it may have nothing to do with the 1 million developers initiative, or maybe it does. It's just, it's hard to measure, right? I think we, yeah, we, we have to get out there and get good content to developers. I think there's like this good versus great thing going on where a good example and and I'll be kind of uh, opinionated, I guess, the difference between Truffle and Biddler, right? Truffle and Biddler both compile your contracts. They're set up similar. Biddler even like did a good job of making it look like Truffle, but there's there's just a difference in the developer experience between the two products. One of them, one of them is a lot easier to use. One of them is a lot easier to install. One of them uh, feels like it was built for developers, and the other one feels like it was built to get the job done. In terms of like our efforts for developer relations, I hope that we can 
pick the great ones, right? Like even, even if there are good things, like are there great ones that, like are the good things bringing down the, the stuff, right? We, we need some great both DevRel people, DevRel uh, tutorials. We just have to kind of stay away from the, the good. I mean, like the good gets us there for a while, right? But I think it's time now for some great products and some great user experiences and some great developer experiences. I think we are kind of at a shift. I've been saying this for months now, but we are at a shift where developers are, are going to have a better experience on Ethereum. And it's already super complicated and you're already trying to figure out a bunch of things. And when you're doing that on a shaky environment, it's just frustrating and awful, right? Like you need a very good foundation to be able to understand this stuff because it's already pretty heady as it is. And these, uh, these pieces of the puzzle are all included uh, in the scaffolding or? What's I like mean, there's all, yeah, no, there's always more. That's a good question. I think, I think some infrastructure stuff is still lacking a little bit, right? Like if, and, and all this stuff is so cutting edge, right? Like I like, I tried to make a scaffold ETH uh, like deployment where we deployed to IPFS and then wrote the IPNS, that's a rough one, to the ENS domain. And it just like wasn't working at the time. Like you, you like all this stuff is so new that like, we are, there are, there are lots of holes still in things that could be built and things that could be better, but things are getting better. And, and that's, uh, that's exciting. I would say, yeah, we're, we're definitely not, it's definitely not perfect. Go, go try to build a DAP right now and you'll find six frustrating things. And if you attack one of those frustrating things, then the next guy will only have five frustrating things, but people are still building awesome shit too, right? Like regardless of how hard it is, some really cool stuff is being built. What are the biggest problems? The biggest problems uh, from developer standpoint, I, I think it's like, it's weird. It's more like the context and the, the product market fit type stuff, right? Like I think there's a lot of developers that are kind of on a wide orbit of Ethereum that sort of get what it is and sort of get that they could build something, but they're not exactly sure like what that thing is that they should build that could be awesome. I think that there's kind of like these these three layers that we need to communicate better. And it's sort of like, there's like builders and then there's like things to do. And then there's like this kind of top level level, like funding sort of like ecosystem support, things that needs to get built and then a bunch of developers. And if we can connect those better, we, we, and you'll, you'll talk about this too, right? Like community and like raid guild stuff and bringing those developers together is a very important thing to kind of make that whole system all communicate and flow properly. Right. Yeah, this kind of connects to one of the questions I was wanted to ask you. You build a a lot of like random shit, like it seems <laughs> completely unrelated, like a lot of experiments. How do you come For up sure. with these ideas? Yeah, like I mean, sometimes it's just something that's fun. Sometimes it's like, what can be the most high leverage? A lot of times it's like setting up some kind of combo move, right? Like I, I, I want to figure out how to make a minimum viable DEX, right? So I go to the Uniswap stuff, I figure out Solidity, I find, uh, I think one of my buddies, Philippe, PHABC, you know, that would, he's smart dude. He turned the Viper contracts into Solidity contracts. And so I just, I, it's just like there's a lot of exploration and a lot of dead ends, but I happened to find that and kind of clean it up and make a minimum viable DEX. And just by making that, then it was like, okay, now I can put, 
I can kind of exchange tokens with this minimum viable DEX over on XDAI. What can I build on top of that? And so we bridged in moons from Reddit and then put an exchange between X moons and X die, like sort of this like test net token now has, uh, you know, you can exchange value for mainnet die through this kind of side chain thing, but it was totally just like experimenting and finding cool things. And I think now like that, that is inspiring kind of what can we do next? Basically, if we have exchanges, like the next thing would be, it would be rad if we had like just like minimum viable lending over on XDAI. So we could show off, you know, you, you could basically put in, you could put in a dollar and borrow 75 cents of some coin that is pegged to the value of something else. <laughs> like we were talking about XETH the other day and how fun that would be to, to have like a, an ETH Oracle on XDAI that's, pegged to the price of ETH on mainnet. So you you lock up ETH to get DAI, you lock up DAI to get XDAI, and then you lock up XDAI to get, to get XETH, which is basically tied to that original asset somehow, mostly just for educational purposes, right? I feel like a lot of the inspiration and the stuff that I go after is just like either those missing holes that we're, we were talking about or just like, that would be cool. That would be fun to build. Let's do this for the lols. And that's where like the X-Men exchange and a lot of stuff came, came from right now, right now. I think a lot of the builds I'm doing are meant to show off how scaffold ETH can work and show other developers like, Hey, this is like, this is, you can build a product with this. I promise. <laughs> and that would be like nifty Inc. or, uh, here, here in a couple days or weeks, uh, I'm going to launch something that's kind of like the burner wallet. So it'll be like an instant wallet that's built with scaffold ETH. So it's kind of like how the burner wallet's like dark and orange and scary. The, the instant wallet's supposed to be happy and magical and light, but it's basically a wallet just like the burner wallet, but built with scaffold ETH in like four hours. You can just sit down and build a burner wallet with scaffold ETH very easily. All right, that's cool. What about you, man? Come on, let's let's have some tips for like community building. What's like a, how do you, how do you enhance the superpowers of people in your community to kind of like, run autonomously you just have to like give them a lot of praise and encouragement like come on what For do you sure. want to build come on yeah. do it let's do it oh fuck, that yeah was a little poking job, dude. Yep. yeah and then you post oh this dude built, built something really cool go follow him heck yeah i agree i agree like good support a little poking a little inspiration we all need that right <laughs> I've been finding like setting up for the second scaffold ETH session. I kind of want them to have a little bit of homework done. And, and, and it, I know that like people procrastinate and I procrastinate too. So I start like setting up that second date, like ahead of time, like, okay, we're going to have another zoom session. Start thinking about building that decentralized bank. We talked about just kind of like nudging people to, to go that extra distance, but, but you're exactly right. I think that like when something awesome comes out or even like praising effort over uh, at first praising effort over results, but then you kind of make a transition to praising results, right? You can't always praise effort, but at the beginning, someone's just trying to get context and figure it out. Yeah, this reminds me of the, like, there's two gaps that I think that should be filled somehow. The first one is like the people getting into crypto that are like, I'm not a developer, so I have no idea what I could do. Like, they just don't know where to get started. And then there are the developers okay i got the skills but they don't really know what's what the space is missing like what what are the useful things that should be built and so they build like the 50th wallet or the <laughs> the 10 
the NFT card trading game. And that's great. So that's great. First of all, like they should build those things to get context of like how it works and where it goes wrong and where, it, where it falls apart. I think the problem is they, they become married to the idea. Like this, the, the 13th wallet that I just built is going to be the wallet that everyone's going to download. Right. And I think that's the key, like, yes, build the wallet, build the NFT platform, like, like explore, explore these areas and find these like, find how it works, but don't be married to that thing, right? Like keep trying and keep building. And that's what gives you the context. Sorry, like total, total tangent, but it, it's good to go down that road. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, a lot of experiments. Yeah, and the first one, the way we're trying to solve it is by building up these skill trees so that people get an easy- Oh yeah, overview. like level up and, oh. Yeah, the so easy cool. overview, like, okay, we could go the design way, the developing way or any other way and just get an overview of what are the things that you could could be doing and the things you could learn. It would be good, kind of, this is a meta tangent also, but it would be good to have like, a, if if you guys run into web two developers that are looking for the like the web three upgrade, like send them to me, give 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 me a couple hours with them and I'll send them back to you and they'll, they'll be uh, web three ready. <laughs> awesome, yeah, that's great. But yeah, I asked uh, Yellow about the raid guild. Do they have some people interested in that? And he said yes. Yeah, yeah, I'll bug him. I'm always bugging Yaler about it. I, I'll, I'll bug him again about it for sure. <laughs> Good. Maybe we'll get some eggs die. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about. So, uh, have you tried Nifty Inc. yet? Nifty Inc. is a fun onboarding into X die. You should you should pull up Nifty Inc. So it's like a. It's like an art platform that uses a ton of magic, uh, burner wallets, meta transactions, side chains, and message bridges to give you a web two like experience. So you land on Nifty Inc, you can ink some drawing, you, you give it a name and then some kind of limit, like one out of 10 or something like that, or two for two or one of one, right? You hit ink and it takes your meta transaction and tries to submit it. Sometimes it fails because we have throughput issues right now, but basically we're paying everybody's transactions. You just sign something and then it's cryptographically backed by that burner wallet that's in that session right there. So you can open this up on like mobile Safari, go to Nifty Inc, draw something, and it'll actually get inked on XDAI and we pay the gas. But what the XDAI is, is sort of like a side chain. It's sort of like a, a, a quick, cheap way to, to basically sell buy and sell and mint these NFTs, but the NFTs eventually can be bridged to mainnet. And the fact that it's backed by mainnet means that kind of like over on XDAI, what you're selling is more like the option to mint on mainnet. So artists can get in, they don't have to know anything about blockchain. They can draw something cool. And, and this is meant to be like a tutorial, like please like fork this code kind of stuff. Like Nifty Inc was built with scaffold ETH, but it's meant to be like a demo of how you could build an art platform, like fork this, make a glitch art platform, fork this and make a generative art platform, right? The, the, the thing is an artist can get in, they can make art without having to know about blockchain. It's still cryptographically backed. The artists can still make money and it goes like right into a burner wallet on their phone. And uh, it's, it's a good experience. It's meant to be like a tutorial. You should, are you, are, are you able to ink anything? Did you try it no, out? No, no, no. You should. And right now it's still just uh, like you, you can't uh, upload a photo. You can only straight. Exactly. Yep. Yep. How do you say ink? 
INK. Yeah. You can yeah, even do nft.ink. What's that? Yeah, nft.ink or nifty.ink. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw this. And yeah, you told me the other day about uh, that ability to sell the minting rights. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's like the rights to minting on mainnet. And and we didn't really discover that. So we, we built it for mainnet first. And obviously, we realized that, oh, wait, this isn't going to work. Like, it's way too expensive. People are way priced out of mainnet. So then we built like this two chain solution. But we noticed that without a bridge between the two chains, people are able to front run artists from the side chain to the main chain. So if like Vitalik got in there and drew something awesome, someone could be watching for that, I guess, and they could push it to mainnet ahead of him. Because the, the art goes to IPFS signed by the artist, but there's like an on-chain thing too. It has to take that and put it on-chain. And by putting it on XDAI first and having it backed by the bridge, then it's locked there and can only be upgraded if the artist sells it. But what we noticed is if we had two chains, we could front run and people were writing, people could write something from the side chain to the mainnet without the artist's permission, even though it would be backed by the artist, it's still like the bridge, the bridge basically sets up the, the backstop of ETH. And you know that if I own this piece over on XDAI, I can buy and sell it quickly. But then I know eventually if I want, I have the rights to, to mint it on, on ETH. It's like you have options over here and you can exercise them onto ETH when you want to, but you can keep them on the low value chain for fun and profit, question mark. And that's, yeah. Another thing built with Scaffoldy, uh, check out the Instant Wallet too. So it's like instantwallet.io is gonna be, it's not launched yet because I am still working on it, but it's basically like, you can open that up on your phone. It's going to do the same thing that Scaffold ETH does where it generates uh, an account for you on page load. And then it has like this, like basically QR. The, the very first burner wallet I built looked just like this, where it had just like this QR. It's just like a big QR code right there. And then a, and then a send button, right? And you can just hit the send button, shoot someone else's burner wallet or instant wallet. <laughs> I, I'm trying to make the name a little friendlier, right? There's a bunch of other things built with Scaffold ETH too, if you check out the repo. But uh, the, even in the second session, like it, it, it backstops to XDAI so well because in, in the second session, after we've done a little solidity, the next thing we do is like take you and deploy you to a production network so you can kind of like have the full circle. I can, I can write a smart contract, I can update the app, I can deploy everything to XDAI and then I can push the app to some production uh, like static server or even like Surge and have like this, this app that's ready for everyone to interact with. We do that by like within two hours of starting the first clone of Scaffold E. Two more about hey. XDAI, like it's okay. been around for a long time, but this is now, like now it's finally getting usage now that uh, the transactions on Ethereum are just yeah, I think that's what it was. All the non-DeFi use cases. Yep, I think and that, so yeah, go ahead, please. I just wanted to ask, like, what do you think like, are the biggest obstacles for people to getting over to XDAI from Ethereum? So technically, it's really easy, right? Basically, it's it's an exact copy. It's cheap. It's fast. As a developer, you basically just point that bat signal. You know, when I was talking about going to a pr production network, you've got that pointed at Rinkaby. You've got that pointed at Ropsten, and then eventually you pointed at Mainnet. Just stop by XDAI on the way, <laughs> right? De de get it tested on Rinkaby or whatever, deploy it to XDAI and test it there where it's 
cheap and fast, but you know there, there can be hundreds of dollars. And then you can upgrade, upgrade it to mainnet next. And by having it on XDAI, you kind of have this development pipeline where people can really mess around for low value, but with skin in the game. So to answer the question though, the, the hardest part is probably, and we're seeing this with, with Nifty Inc, it's freaking MetaMask. MetaMask doesn't let you set a freaking custom RPC. So I have to tell every artist that comes in here that makes money that, I mean, they could just use their burner wallet. There's a burner wallet right there, but like, I mean, private keys and local storage, we need something more secure. So the next step up is to get MetaMask. And once you have MetaMask, you have to go to the network and you have to go to custom RPC and you have to put in HTTPS, poa.network and then you have to hit save and then finally you can talk to xdai like why that isn't an option it's frustrating <laughs> but that is by far the worst part about xdai right now is the metamask interaction and why do you think there, that isn't an option i i well i mean like you it's hard you, you wow you can't pick favorites right this is a decentralized network if it's it kind of going back to the same thing with the EF and why they're not, you know, like why not six guys? Like, because there's a huge signal there. Like if, if MetaMask signals that XDAI is the side chain, that's probably not the best option either, right? We need to be decentralized and we need to have lots of options. And I think Matic is a good example of that. There's another, like XDAI, there's another EVM. There's probably many EVM compatible side chains that are ready to go right now that, that people aren't using now however on on, a, on an argument to that like composability is huge right if we could actually all signal one side chain and get everyone over there there would be a ton of composability so there's kind of like dueling arguments here about like let's give everyone a fair cut and have a decentralized network and have that that stability because of that or because of the composability let's all dive on this one chain and screw around over here and i think right. you know what if what if MetaMask adds Matic and XDAI? Like, who's going to be the next guy that's mad? And how yeah. do we figure out a better system there? And maybe it should just be like the developer has a button that says, "Hey, XDAI, would you like to add a new network?" And they like basically I onboard a, an artist by saying, "Hey, you know, we're about to add XDAI to your wallet. Is that okay?" And you hit accept, and XDAI is in in your network, right? And I think I think Pedro's working on something like that. It's just getting standards through and the, these projects that are like pretty big now, uh, like for us, they're big, right? Within the ecosystem, MetaMask is a very big thing. And when MetaMask makes a change, it's, it signals, right? And there's a lot of money moving around where it's, it's part of the protocol. So every little signal is, is good and bad. Right. So yeah, as soon as they would add eggs, they would be okay. So why not Medix? So exactly. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure that uh, <laughs> I've sent Dan, I sent Dan Finley a, a tweet the other, a Twitter just DM the other day, like, gosh, this is bad. But I, you know what? I totally understand where he's at, right? He can't pick favorites. We, we just need a better system that allows for a decentralized ecosystem, but making it, making that UX better, right? That the user experience of having to put in a custom RPC is just not something a human being should have to go through to be able to move art around. And what's with the the change of license with MetaMask? I don't know anything about that. Yeah, I don't know. You're right, you're right. <laughs> uh, once you have MetaMask, like how easy is it to get uh, Ether from uh, mainnet to XDAI? 
to make sure. It yeah, sure. I, I think so. Usually, what I do is I send people to the burner wallet, right? On xdai.io, there there's a nice little exchange button, so you can you can send ETH or Dai straight to your burner wallet, and it will let's see if this comes up. So you can send ETH or die. Like I can hit receive right here and I could send ETH to that address. Whoa. And then uh, if I go into the exchange, then I can move that ETH north into die and then into X die. And I mean, that process is available in a lot of different ways, right? So to go ETH to die, there's a lot of ways to do that, but this is just using like Uniswap. So you can swap ETH to DAI pretty easily, and then you basically lock up your DAI and get XDAI over on the other network. So almost everybody already has DAI. You have to lock it up in the bridge to get it in XDAI. And the, the app itself should probably handle that, but there's also a bridge to do that UI. And it's you know not the best UX to have to go somewhere else and put in some DAI to get some XDAI to go back to something else to, to interact with it. But so you need to actually go to XDAI, like you don't, there is no like exit on XDAI. So you can uh, wait, do wait, XDAI, wait. but stay in Ether. Oh, right. Yeah, no. So XDAI is, no, ah, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what we're talking about with the, the XETH, right? There is no XETH, yeah. But, but you, yeah, basically if you're operating in XDAI, you are kind of shielded from ETH fluctuations to some point because you're in DAI and DAI should be pretty stable. So it's kind of like, if you want to be in ETH, but also using XDAI, just send like $2 to XDAI and you'll have enough to <laughs> like deploy thousands of contracts. <laughs> My, our problem here is that like we have the seed market that's running on Uniswap on the mainnet and it's like, it's just very expensive. Like the interaction with Uniswap currently costs like fifty dollars. Yes, it does. So <laughs> yeah, we're talking about getting it over to XDAI, but then it's the whole issue of people don't have really XDAI ready in their wallets, and even if they did, that would mean that we then have to launch the the seed market with uh, seed to die, not uh, seed to eat. Which we wanted to, which we had so far, and I didn't even know that's a problem. I thought that uh, there is exit, so this is like an additional problem. X XDAI basically is the exit, but it's not like XDAI is the native currency. Like XDAI is the ETH, uh, like what what ETH is to Ethereum, XDAI is to XDAI, but there isn't something that fluctuates with the price of ETH on XDAI. Right. So wait, what what is it? So it's a seed. So what's the? It's it's a token that you've deployed, or what? What are the mechanics here? Maybe we could talk through a little bit more and talk about how maybe that could be, you know, applied on XDAI. Because sometimes the it's just a different market. mental model. Yeah. What? How does it work? The seed is the metagame token. So okay. we use source code. We use source code to mint, mint tokens for the contributors, and then those contributors uh, get cool. their tokens, which are. Uh, which are sold to, through the Uniswap to the people that want to support metagame with uh, money instead of labor. Cool. And yeah. So, so we have that like the seed market is like the critical component of metagame. So we can exchange from people that contribute uh, labor to people that contrib contribute money. 
and uh, yeah. So, well, that's the thing. I think that what you're talking about, especially like going from source cred to giving the developer tokens, like that's something you probably want to do. Like you want to run like a cron job every day that hands out a little bit of tokens to everybody. And you just can't do that on mainnet right now. But yeah. if, if you take, so so you want what you have right now because it gives liquidity to that token, right? So you, you basically, you want that mainnet Uniswap exchange and you want there to be some liquidity for your token in terms of going to USD or whatever. But but what you can do is have that token bridge into a side chain where the the security risks are not as good as mainnet, but the the climate in terms of gas prices and transaction speeds are a lot better. If if your developers as long as as long as you're not paying one of your developers two million dollars for some source cred thing, like you can you can get away with small amounts of value on that side chain, and those validators and and bridge operators aren't going to like all collude to steal your your thirty dollars that basically is priced out of mainnet right now. But you want to be able to chip away and give developers a small amount for committing code. I, I think is what it is, right? So as they commit code, you want to send tokens. That that is a perfect use case for XDAI because you're sending small, you're paying a fraction of a penny to send a guy six bucks that is totally priced out of Ethereum right now, but it's some small commit or something like that. And you do that, you know, hundreds of times a day. That still is only going to cost you a few cents on XDAI. And then if that token is bridged, they can take, they can wait for that money to accumulate. You know, oh, now I have four or five hundred dollars. All right, I, I'm going to bridge that through and and exchange it in in the the exchange. But at first, I can use it over here. And then if I'm a developer and I'm building something and I need something else built, I can take some of that coin and put it in to, you know towards some other project and someone else helping me out. Right? Like the the whole market can kind of exchange and move quickly over here at, on a low value network. And then as it accumulates, he can he can or she can uh, bridge bridge out and get USD for that when needed. Right, like having it backstop to Ethereum is important enough. As long as they can get through that bridge when they need, you can do lots of fun stuff with with the low value chain. Does that make sense? Right. Like yeah, I, so would, this, I would, I would, I would do exactly what you have. Yep. I would keep the market on the mainnet. I would have your UI able to talk to that. But then I would set something up where you can bridge those tokens through. And if you just Google AMB, like arbitrary message bridge, you'll see how we're doing it with Nifty Inc. But you can send any token back and forth. So that's what you set up is you, you'll set up a, a token on XDAI that represents the, the mainnet token. And then you can build all this cool source creds, you know, scripts and the neat UI, the cool stuff. And it can be, you click a button and five seconds later, you've made the transaction and it costs barely anything. And it's great for moving around low value. And also like this, this adds a composability layer too, right? By having that on mainnet or on XDAI, now there's a bunch of other people that may like fork that and use that or have, you know, like a, a low value kind of market system for uh, like, issues that need to be getting like taken care of you know i'm talking about those three layers right where there's the developers here and there's stuff that needs to get done here like if that layer right there runs on xdi it makes a lot of sense money is still at the protocol but it's cheaper and faster but the thing is that uh, that all, that works already on the source code layer like there's this uh, off-chain ledger that you can use to transfer the seeds before they are minted between the users for boosting different initiatives Perfect. So we don't need the uh, yeah we don't need the XDAI for that step. It's just the the seed market that's the main problem. <laughs> but yeah, I guess there's no good solution to that yet. 
Well, I mean, I we mean, can have it on next day, but yeah, the problem yeah. is that it adds a lot of friction to the people that want to buy seeds. Like, if someone has right. Inter and wants to support MetaGame by buying some seeds, putting it on next day would just require too many steps for them to buy it. I mean, you can, they're like, same thing I did with the minimum viable exchange. You could technically have a, a Uniswap on XDAI that swaps between XDAI and some token, and they could get XDAI value there. But still, like if we're talking about going to USD, there's still some steps there to get them all the way to, you know, their bank account. Yeah, and they still need to get their first. They need to get their Ether over to XDAI, and there's and, the and additional I would... problem that I didn't even know that's here that that you have to then use the die. There's no XCP yet. Right, yep, yep. I, I would argue though that the seed thing that you're doing off chain that's using the signatures is kind of a band-aid. And what you can do is take your EVM compatible stuff and just have it on XDAI. And it something that wouldn't make sense on mainnet can exist on XDAI and burn tons of gas, right? Like it's okay to build a to-do list in the EVM on XDAI because it's not expensive there, right? Like it, it actually makes sense to have a to-do list there and then have a market that exists on XDAI for those those to-do list items mm -hmm. to get checked off. Like that, that, that like mental model just hasn't been here because we've always sort of been thinking about how we deal with mainnet gas. But if that's not a concern and you can still have your entire EVM stack. You can do some fun things where like every, like there's no composability with your seeds probably, right? There's not other developers building, like whatever this L2 solution is, it's probably just like a signature scheme. There's not other developers all picking up these and, and kind of coordinating how you could like create a market for those, like a third party market, right? And I think we'll start to see that kind of stuff show up on XDAI as more developers come in. Yeah, that would be cool. And do I have more questions for you? We went over way break from the onboarding to scaffolding to XDAI and whatnot. Awesome. So, yeah. If you want to do a scaffold ETH session with me sometime, let's set it up too. If you're interested in seeing the tools. I know, I know you're not a developer, but I'm telling you, if we go through, like, do you have Git? Can you do a Git clone? No. Ah, okay. That's the first step. I gotta get you to be able to do a Git clone first, and then you can then you can do some scaffolding magic. I I only installed the the GitHub app on my computer like two or three weeks ago. But first, see, that uh, means cloning yeah, that means see then you can that that's all you got to be able to do. If you can clone down scaffolding, there's a couple commands to run, but basically it. It sounds scary, but it sets you up with a great local environment where you can just change some things in a, in a really, really simple smart contract and then see what that does in the front end. Going back to like the source credit or the to-do list, right? Uh, 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 three out of 10 web developer can probably make a to-do list on XDAI with Scaffoldy, which is kind of the exciting thing for me is that we're going to see a lot of cool little things being built on a, on a, chain that you do have skin in the game but it's just a little bit of skin in the game and we have enough that it's worth it to participate but you're not going to get huge burned i hope <laughs> so you're not investment advice any development experience to play with it yeah exactly you should try you have to you have to have git installed and i think you have to have yarn installed or node installed but it it like takes you through how to do that in the repo 
no, I have no excuse not to do it. You see, exactly. It's the, it's the inspiration, right? There's part of this is just about like nudging people along, but seriously set up a session all. And basically the way it works is if you're comfortable, you share your screen, right? So, so I set you as the host, you share your screen and we set up your local environment. And then I just show you how to like iterate a little bit and test some assumptions. And then you're, you're off to the races on your own. And then in a few weeks, we, we kind of come back together to see what we can build. But even if you're not a developer, it, it might be fun to get you just exposed to it just so you can see it. All right, that would be cool. Cool, man. Thanks for, on. yeah. Thanks for having me. This has been fun. Yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah. Yeah, for thanks. sure. Let me know. Let me know if I need to RT anything or whatever. Hit me up. Uh, hit me up on Twitter. Is that where we, where we have a chat or do we have Telegram? We probably have Discord uh, too. Huh? Both. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, we have all the platforms. <laughs> all of the chats. Awesome. Well, and hit me up the, there, man. I'll put some links in the show notes. So like scaffold it, build. Heck yeah, that would be great. ETH build and scaffold it. Insta wallet, nifting. Yes. Uh, oh, probably not. It's, it, yeah, instant wallet is supposed to be a secret. So like okay. maybe okay. maybe not even put that in the show notes. I guess if someone watches it, they should go maybe check it out. It's fun and easy to use. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. Same thing with Nifty Inc. We tried not to launch it, and it was like, oh, now people are drawing on it. I guess this is I guess this is our contract. These are our contracts. <laughs> it launched itself. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Thanks for having yeah, me, man. Yeah. yeah. Thank you let me much. know. Let me know if you want to have a session sometime. It'd be fun. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. All right. Yeah, Happy Monday. Some, some some minties yeah you mint some nifties yeah happy monday you believe it's morning i'm alive but that's the last thing on my mind you believe it's morning